Welcome to the Left of Straight Show, where we talk entertainment, music, books, foodies, and more each week with special guest interviews of interest to the LGBTQ community and our straight allies. Direct from the entertainment capital of Northeast Ohio. Northeast Ohio. Your host, Scott Fullerton, chats with some of your favorite entertainers, celebrities, newsmakers, and behind-the-scenes people across the country and around the world who make it all happen. So sit back, grab your favorite beverage, and let's start talking. Welcome back to another fun interview right here on the Left of Straight Show. As always, I'm your host, Scott Fullerton, and today I have a very special guest joining me here for his third time on the show. Pano Soklis is uh, stopping by. He's been a prominent figure in social media, music, and acting for over 10 years now. His YouTube channel is heading towards 9 million views, and throughout the time that I've got to know him, he's been a master reinvention as well as keeping the same down-to-earth personality and just the right amount of irreverence to keep things interesting. These last couple of years, he's been making waves in the entertainment industry with his remarkable performances, his infectious charisma, and since his last appearance on the show, Hannah's been busy pursuing his passion not only for acting, but also has made a little side trip over to beautiful downtown Dallas, Texas, which we'll talk all about. Hannah's artistic journey continues to evolve, and we're thrilled to catch up with him today and learn all about these latest endeavors. Please welcome back to the show, Mr. Pano Soklis. Pano, how you doing, my friend? Wow, I'm great. That was quite the intro. Thank you for that. That was awesome. <laughs> I think after the third time, I almost have your name right. Not quite, but I'm getting closer each time, so I'm happy about you that. You got it. It's fine. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> how is everything on your end, my friend? Things are going pretty well, you know, just living life you know, staying positive through everything, uh, having a great life, you know, it's been good. Well, I love it. I mean, I had your buddy Mark Schwab on a couple of weeks ago. We talked and his interview is actually going to play right before I play yours because he told me about the film from last year and this newest film coming out that I wasn't even on the radar with. And of course, both co-starring you. So I had to have you back on the show. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for having me. It's exciting. It is exciting. I'm excited to talk to you all about it. Um, we just had Pride Month a couple weeks ago for you. Uh, you talked about one of your videos, I think, at the end of last year that you're celebrating 10 years as an out and proud gay man. Talk about that a second. I mean, after a decade, what have you really, what's changed about coming to terms with it and just finding your tribe? Um, you know, I think the main thing would probably be coming to a place where it's not really something I even think about. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, I have gay friends, I have straight friends, I have friends of different genders. I feel generally, well, I feel like I've cultivated a life at least that surrounds mm -hmm. me with uh, people who don't make my sexuality anything other than just another facet of who I am. You know what I mean? Awesome. So, you know, I think any, you know, gay person, they come out are, you know, are, fearful of coming out, uh, even if they're in circumstances that will be accepting because of how we've been conditioned to perceive our sexuality, you know? And so to look back on 
10 years of outness, I guess. It's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Very cool indeed. Well, I want to start with talking about this move to Dallas here. I mean, it's a big, significant change. You've been yeah. New York, L.A. You're from not too far from me here in Pennsylvania. I'm here in Northeast Ohio. But let's talk about Dallas. I mean, it's not the greatest political climate in the world, and you're getting into the summer months. Oh, my goodness. Good yeah. luck on that. But talk about, I mean, one of the things I'm excited about, of course, I've followed you on social media forever. It seems like you're making new friends there. How's the move been so far? It's been really great. You know, I so I was actually living in Raleigh, North Carolina for like a year prior, and I wasn't really doing much with my social life. Right. Mm -hmm. I, you know, moving from L.A. to North Carolina, it was like a total 180 in lifestyle. And I was still happy there. Like I found ways to enjoy mostly my own company, but I never really got out of my shell and like made like new friends, you know, spending a lot of time with my coworkers and with myself, right? So when I came to Dallas, I was kind of consciously like, okay, like I have to do this completely differently, you know, <laughs> make make the conscious effort to get out there, meet people, et cetera. And actually, so my second day when I was here, I just went out to a bar and I just got some drinks and I started chatting with like everybody. And there were, were these two guys, um, they're a couple, and one of them knew me from like my Instagram. So he started talking to me and they've become like my close friends here now. You know, they, they're actually transplants as well. And then we have another friend in our group who's like a transplant also. So we've all been kind of like acclimating to the city together, uh, you know, going out to dinner, having game nights, all the fun sort of stuff, you know. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's great when you can find a tribe relatively early on like that. Totally. Yes. So cool. Well, let's kind of catch up. Like I mentioned in the intro, this is your third time on the show. You've really kept involving from YouTuber to music and acting a little bit while you're doing music and now a little more concentration on acting as well. Mm -hmm. um, talk about, I mean, we have since Drag Race and through Taylor Swift, everyone's in their era now. What yeah. era is this for Pano right now? I feel like I'm in a perpetual, just eclectic existence era. You know, I just do what calls to my heart. You know, I and I, I don't, I, I'm passionate about a lot of different things. You know, I've always been the type of person that if something intrigues me, I have a hard time not participating in it myself. You know, and so, yeah, like I said, it's it's just kind of a constant era of just following my heart and doing what calls to me. I suppose. I think that's one of the things that draws me to you. I'm kind of a vagabond myself. I've lived in, I think I've moved 18 times since I was 18 years old. So I, I bebop around the country as well. And mm -hmm. there's pros and cons to it, but overall I enjoy it. And I know that you're yeah. kind of the same way. So that's kind of really cool. Let's start with YouTube. I mean, I'm new to it, as I've always said in our past interviews. I have the face for radio. This whole, I'm trying to be one of the cool kids and getting on video now, but... Uh, Talk about doing it for 10 years now, 9 million views. Has it ever become a chore to you or where are you at in your YouTube journey right now? Well, you know, actually, YouTube is something I've been doing for like longer than 10 years. Honestly, I I um, grew up skateboarding. And so right. back in like 2006, I think I posted my first YouTube video, like a skateboarding video. And I, I have a, like actually a couple other channels that nobody really knows about where, with all my old skateboarding videos from when I was in like middle school, early high school, you know? 
And that's what kind of like piqued my interest in it. And when I kind of got exposed to vlogging and, you know, I was in high school and I started the channel, honestly, my first thought was like, oh, well, like I want attention. So like, let me do this too. You know what I mean? Right. And so it's crazy how like YouTube has become sort of the focal point of my whole life because, um, I started gaining an audience and it was just like a fun outlet, but then I met a lot of cool people doing it as well. Um, it ultimately led me to start a career in video editing for other YouTubers. And that's actually what brought me to Dallas now is I'm a producer for a really, really, really big YouTuber named Preston. And so uh, he and his team moved me out here to take on this producer role on his team. And it's been a new challenge because you know, I've, I've come from a place of doing my own YouTube videos kind of like in my bedroom. And now I'm on like a full like production team of like 60 people with like a pretty like involved role. So it's, it's been crazy, you know, to see also how YouTube has kind of like evolved that it is like real production now, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's, it's been awesome and exciting. You know, as far as like, it goes like my, my own channel goes, I think I was maybe losing the, um, spark for it when I was kind of coming out of college, kind of finding my finding my way outside of college because I had been doing it for so long and I had been doing vlogs for so long. So I kind of got to the point where I was like, what do I even talk about anymore? You know, but I feel like right now I am kind of having this renaissance moment on my channel, you know, taking the um, the analytic knowledge that I I've gleaned from working for other big YouTubers over the years and kind of applying it to kind of reshape the kind of content I'm putting out, which is why I'm doing sort of more commentary style videos on reality TV and that kind of stuff. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, I, I like I said, I follow you and I've been watching your videos lately and you've been um, re kind of recapping a reality show off out TV we're going to play a clip of it and talk about it on the other side because I think it's, I was even didn't even know about it until I saw your clips on there. So I've been following along the last couple of months here. So this is, what's the title again for me? Give it to me one more time. Uh, for the Love of Delves. For the Love of Delve. All right. This is a little bit of Pano here doing some of his recap on For the Love of Delve. We'll talk about it on the other side. You're listening to the Left of Straight show with my special guest Pano Sockless right here on the Left of Straight Hey daddy, welcome back. And welcome to the For the Love of Dilfs Double Dilf Special. In this video, I'm going to cover both episodes four and five. If you want to see the first three, I'll leave links in the description. I got a little playlist going so you can just watch through that if you'd like. But you can definitely jump in right here because I'm going to start this video with a recap. Previously on For the Love of Dilfs. Tensions are high in Dilf Mansion as new pairings continue to solidify. I will feel uncomfortable picking somebody that can switch up. Gordon's got his eye on Mateo, which made Tokyo, his original himbo, pissed off. You are baby daddy of the season. I'm sorry. After struggling to solve a pretty simple puzzle, the himbos met a new daddy named Charles. Hi, my name's Charles. After what may have been the dumbest concept for a reality TV show date ever, one daddy needed to be eliminated. Where shockingly, daddy Alex eliminated himself. I can't go further. But now, it's a new day at Dilf Mansion. So let's see what's in store on this episode of For the Love of Dilfs. 
So yeah, I'm excited. Let's just dive right into it. And remember, I'm covering two episodes in this one, so strap in. Episode four starts out with the daddies and the himbos convening on the couch, where we are reminded that Tony lost his daddy, Alex, in the last episode. Alex just went home last night, and now I'm alone in this gigantic castle by myself. And you know, I kind of feel for him. I'm not gonna lie, it was, it was a rough night. But Tokyo, who by the way, is probably one of my favorite reality TV personalities of all time, needs to stir the pot a little bit, naturally. Can I just say this? For me, I have a lot of friends that do sex work and you made it such a big deal for him that he does sex work. I totally get where Tokyo's coming from, but as a viewer, I 100% thought that Tony was just kind of like innocently ignorant. Either way, I'm always gonna be here for Tokyo stirring the pot a little bit. Tony, do you have a reply for that? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to reply to the guy with the hat. So, oh. <laughs> let me tell you something, my friend. Was that a joke? <laughs> the only joke here, my friend, is you, because you're, I'm like, let me I'm... tell you something. It's gonna be tea time with Tony in five seconds. Tea time with Tony. Oh my God. Pour me a cup, please. All right. So much fun this show that I didn't know anything about. What kind of drew you to the show? Was it fun to kind of do these little recaps? Yeah, you know, it's I. I'm always trying to think of stuff that will appeal to my audience, right? Like ultimately I want to branch out into doing a wider range of content, but right now it's like, you know, the, the guys on my channel want to see LGBT content, you know? And I think sensational content is also, or like strangely strange sensational content always appeals to people on YouTube in general. And so I learned about this show and I thought the concept was just like funny, right? I mean, it's a reality dating show where like these young himbos are paired up with daddies to do this like date, these, you know, dates and, you know, try to be crowned like the uh, top couple for a cash prize at the end. And then Stormy Daniels is the host of it all. It, it's just wild. I was like, okay, my audience is absolutely going to love this. I became obsessed with the recaps. I mean, I've, I haven't seen the show all the way through. Just the recaps were hilarious. I love Thanks. that. Too much fun. We'll talk about, like I said, I'm new to this. What are three things that anyone getting into YouTube really should know when they're when they're creating a channel or doing something? What 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 do you suggest to people just starting out? Uh, I would say first and foremost, just dive into it. Like your content isn't gonna be what you want it to be from the jump, but it's from that consistent posting um, that you'll sort of like, kind of like develop your niche and figure out how you want your voice to kind of come across. And it's just about doing it uh, and also being consistent. Like consistency is the biggest key to building any sort of social media. You know, that's something I majorly struggle with, honestly, but I mean, that's how the big, big YouTubers do it. It's if you commit to posting once a week, post once a week at the same time, you know, uh, that's, you know, one big thing I would say also, uh, make content that you're actually excited about, because if you're not excited about it, you're not going to want to stay consistent with it, you know? And, uh, I would also say like, make sure it's something you really want to do, you know, you know, uh, I think a lot of people have sort of like a glamorized idea of what YouTube can be because they see people making videos and making like millions of dollars from doing it. But those people are like seriously grinding. And a lot of people have grinded seriously for years prior to like actually gaining any sort of traction on their channel, you know? So you've got to really love it to want to do it, I would say. 
Exactly. I think it's very similar to anything, like you said, social media to podcasting. Consistency yeah. is the key if you want to get people tuning in. And like I said, you have to get excited about yourself. I know I took the first year off after the pandemic because just entertainment dried up, right? There was really no one to interview at the time. Sure. But then it took me another year to get back going again because once you've kind of slowed down and stopped doing it, you just got to motivate yourself to really want to do it again, right? So yeah. definitely a double-edged sword. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the music a bit. I mean, you had this alter persona. You had Blue Hamilton out for quite a while doing some great things. Are you still interested in it? Do you, is it kind of just a hobby now? Or talk about the music yeah. aspect of your life right well, now. To me, it's Blue Franklin. Blue Franklin. Similar, similar last names. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like presidential, right? But, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's something that I'll ultimately return to. I, I've come to the place where... I ultimately would love to like quit my day job to focus on one of my creative passions full time. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think during college and after graduation, when I was figuring out, you know, how I was going to live my life, I felt that, you know, I should try to do everything at once. And I'm at a point now where, you know, I'm so occupied by like my actual day to day job that I'm like, okay, I have to choose something and focus on it. Right. I can't just keep like trying to do like, music and acting and you know youtube and everything on top because it's just way too much because also i care about having time to rest that's important to me also you know so as far as music goes like i'm always writing it's a skill that i enjoy exercising but i haven't really been like producing anything it is something that i will ultimately without a doubt come back to because i love doing it you know but right now the focus uh is mostly on youtube i would say very cool and talk about, I mean, in entertainment industry, especially collabs and networking is so important. What's been maybe your most fun experience, either collabing in music with somebody or collabing on YouTube? You had a really fun experience or a weird experience? Yeah, yeah. I would say uh, the most fun was uh, probably like around this time last year, I was um, contacted by this producer from Finland who had found one of my songs and he's like signed to like a pretty big like record label and stuff. And he wanted me to write um, a top line for one of his like songs. Right. So they ended up not using what I wrote, but he liked what I wrote so much that he produced a whole nother like track around it. And uh, we've been sitting on it for like over a year now. Uh, And it's just really cool to hear like my lyrics and my voice mixed over something like that's like really unique and actually professional. Cause you know, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at making my music sound like decently, like well-produced, but I'm not like somebody who really knows what he's doing. I'm just kind of know what I want to hear. And I I try my best to put it together, you know, so that actually hear like a professional producer, like do something with my voice uh, that I couldn't do. It was pretty cool. Nice. That's very cool indeed. All right. Well, let's get into the acting now. Like I said earlier, I love Mark Schwab. All of his projects at Diamond in the Rough Films are a lot of fun. I mean, you've become a bit of a muse to him. You've been in his last three films. And tell me what it's like working collaboratively with someone that you kind of, have you developed a shorthand yet? Or talk about working with Mark and creating these films together. Oh, well, it's it's just awesome. You know what I mean? I mean, he's, he's just like a friend at this point, right? So it, it, it just creates a certain level of like comfort that you wouldn't necessarily have coming on set with somebody that you didn't know. You know, I think um, it was very easy to connect with him when I first did um, Shadows in Mind with him like six years ago now, you know? Mm-hmm. And 
I think that's kind of like natural in any sort of um, work environment that if you have like, you know, a good connection with somebody, you're going to want to keep working with them. Right. So it's always just been an amazing experience. Like we always have really great chats. I think he's a great director. I like working with him on set. You know, he has, he's not like too intense, but he's also really focused, you know? So it's been nothing but awesome. That's great to hear. He's a great guy and I do like his concepts and everything. Let's talk about Brotherly Lies first because this came out last year, filmed during the pandemic. I had heard about it and seen postings about it from Mark, but I never got to see it until he sent me over the um, screeners for that and for the sequel that was a kind of sequel that we'll talk about in a bit here. But what uh, kind of drew you to the role of Lex and what did you find most challenging about the role in Brotherly Lies? Um, interestingly, I feel like there's always been a certain synchronicity in the roles I've been taking on uh, with Mark and what I'm actually experiencing in my life, right? So I, don't, I wasn't at like the same point of like depression as Lex was at that point, but I also wasn't in the best space also. I think a lot of people were struggling kind of around that time um, because we shot it at the beginning of 2021, you know, it had been, you know, been, been dealing with the pandemic for over a year. Um, there were like, you know, certain factors on top of that in my life that were kind of like not the best. And so it made sense to do a role that I was, you know, where I was playing a character that was kind of like depressed, you know? Nice. So that's definitely what drew me to the role. I would say the biggest challenge would be, um, it's hard to, to do sort of like melancholy acting and have it be nuanced, you know? I think that was the hardest part for me was just trying to figure out how to play a character that wasn't in a good space without making it seem sort of one note. Good point. And talk about, like I said, it was filmed right after the pandemic there. So you had all the pandemic protocols. You filmed at this gorgeous location, Mark's house though, that had to be kind of help a little bit on there. What, yeah. Was it nice to kind of be in that kind of just away from everything as you do it? You're in that headspace, but you're also kind of away from it all the gorgeous settings. Does that help at all? Oh, of course. Of course. You know, I, I wasn't like, I wasn't like waking up every day, like life sucks. You know what I mean? It was just like a, a general sort of um, undertone of melancholy, I guess you could say, you know, um, I just wasn't energetically at my highest point then, you know, so it was awesome getting to kind of step away from day to day life and go work on something with people that I enjoyed being around. Well, I enjoy the film immensely. I want you to brag upon your co-stars for a bit. What do they bring about? I mean, this is the first time that I saw Jose Fernando and everything plays your best friend in the film. He blew yeah. me away. Your acting was amazing. Talk about your co-stars a bit. What kind of a gel did you get with the rest of your cast? Well, actually, uh, Jose and I uh, were roommates for like okay. a year prior to shooting that. So we already had like an established like comfort there, you know? And then also, I think, you know, we spend most of our time with Jacob also because he was the other sort of like lead in the, uh, the whole film. And he was just really easy to get along with, you know? So something I really appreciated was the fact that I feel like uh, there was just a a general level of comfort that we all experienced that I think made performing easier and the days less stressful. Gotcha. Very cool. And let's talk for a second. I want to, the thing that I like about Mark and I told him this in our interview, the two things I really like about his films 
is his use of light and dark and his use of closed in spaces. And mm. you mentioned earlier, I mean, we talked about you done uh, got a, a scholarship for uh, college and studied media studies and production. What mm. do you kind of like about that kind of a film set? And what, what's what's your idea of, of a set like that like? You know, to be honest, I, I don't really know much about like lighting or set or whatever. It was just kind of cool to be somewhere that was like really nice. You know, like you mentioned earlier, it was a really nice house, you know? Right. Um, I think it was fun getting to do uh, the night scenes because, especially because we had um, a scene where there was like a power outage. So that was kind of fun to just mm -hmm. play around with like the dark, you know? Um, but yeah, they, it was just kind of like uh, fun. Yeah, I, like I said, I told him on his interview, I love the way, like you said, the night part where the power goes out was really cool. The uh, two of them, um, Jose, and uh, then on the fireplace out there in the outside in the dark, I just, I like the look of that. And then in exteriors, we'll talk about in a second, all those yeah. close shots like Christian in the hallway and you just with the therapist office, very close shot. I just like the way that those turn out on film. So yeah, totally. Nice. All right, well, let's, um, I want to get into exteriors, but let's start with a clip because Mark was able to share this for me and then we'll talk about your character. It's an interesting concept for the film. I kind of like about it. There's a, there's a lot of movies that have done this really well where it's different vignettes kind of tying an entire movie together. So mm -hmm. the movie's called Exteriors. Uh, one of the scenes starring my special guest today, Panosoklis, and uh, directed by Mark Schwab and written by Mark Schwab. So let's go ahead and watch it when we talk about it on the other side. Cool. Were you able to perform sexually on your date? It, 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 you mentioned in the last session that you were anxious about that. I didn't. I couldn't. Why couldn't you? Because... I was... thinking about you instead. I, I'm sorry, Dr. Lash. I so nervous. But don't be. I just feel I should be completely honest with you. And I appreciate that, Lex. It's all kinds of wrong. No, it's not uncommon in a patient-therapist relationship. No, just totally unethical. You'd lose your license. Would you go to jail? Uh <laughs> Um, I, in this state, I might. But if I wasn't your client, <laughs> um, no, that would that would still be a gray area, Lex. All right, we are back. That was a scene for Exteriors, one of the new films that's going to be released by my special guest today, Mr. Pano Soklas. Pano talked about this role. It's kind of a continuation, even though it's a different story, but it's a continuation of a character. Have you ever done anything like that before, and how was that to play? I've never done anything like that before, and it was a lot of fun because I had already, you know, developed the character you know, so some of the work was already done with me for me, you know, and it was, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, um, it was kind of hard to bring nuance to a sort of like depressed character. And this in this movie, he's kind of like 
out of that depression and in a little bit of a better space, right? So I feel like I was able to have like a little bit more, um, a little bit more fun with it. Right, like the first film, you're kind of, it's talking about past events and this one's very much set in the present. What's happening yeah. in your life right now? So it yeah. gives you an entire like, kind of new perspective. What kind of an actor do you consider yourself more method? Are you good at memorizing lines? How do you find going into things like this? Yeah, I, I would say I'm pretty good at memorizing lines. Um, that's that's for one. Um, I would say when it comes to preparing a character, I, I like to go throughout the whole script and kind of like actually uh, go line by line and like kind of like clearly like map out like what sort of emotion I would be experiencing. Because it is, you know, obviously there will always be uh, moments of um, improvisation in the way that you deliver a line or whatever. It's, you know, it's not like I'm... Um, figuring out exactly how I want to say something, you know, as I'm delivering it, but I, I want to be fully conscious of the emotion behind it and the motivation. So um, I definitely put in that sort of like uh, analysis to a script before I actually start like, um, you know, acting it. Right, right. Very understandable. And talk about, I mean, like I said, are you, are you more drawn to the acting doing the YouTubes and being the production that you learn? Do you find yourself wanting to write more, maybe direct one day or produce, or does that acting kind of the thing for now? Like you said, time is a commodity for you these days. Yeah. You know, I, I would say anything, anything performance related is always like going to be my priority. Right. I, I mean, I love to write. I'm open to producing. It's, it's why I do it now for my job because I know how to do it and I'm, I'm part of the space, but in my perfect world, I would just be doing the performative type stuff and maybe like writing on top of it also. That's the stuff that kind of speaks to my soul. Gotcha, very much so. And what do you see coming down the pike? Is there any anything lined up acting wise or do you have any projects that you kind of have your eye on you're looking at? Uh, not currently, no. You know, I, I would say my main focus has been just uh, my YouTube channel. You know, like I, I kind of have a, my goal right now is to kind of continue leaning into the niche that I'm doing and making uh, videos uh, strategically that will perform well, hopefully get to a point where maybe I can like quit my job and just focus on that full time and then really start hitting acting heavy again too when I actually have the autonomy to go on auditions and, you know, be able to go shoot something if I were to book it, you know? That makes sense. Just get Mark on the stick to write the next movie and you're ready to go there. Yeah. <laughs> Good to go. Well, Pano, I think we kind of went over everything I like uh, that I was really interested in. I appreciate you taking the time here. Uh, enjoy Dallas, my friend. It sounds like a new adventure that started off really well for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Now, talk to me as far as YouTube go. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to, like, thumbs up it and get them to subscribe? Or how should I end this video? Share with me. Yeah, I guess you could say something like, you know, if you like this, give it a thumbs up, subscribe. Uh, turn on your post notifications so you get notified for the next episode, that kind of stuff. There you go. Well, that, you heard that from the expert, my friends. Panosaka, thanks so much for being on the Left of Straight show today. Stick around for some five questions that we'll do next week. But before you go, let everyone know where they can find your social media and your YouTube channel. Sure. I mean, I'm on YouTube. My name is Pano T, just P-A-N-O space T. Uh, my Instagram is Pano Pancakes, and I'm on TikTok too. And my name there is I am underscore Panos. I love it. 
All right, stay on the line for my friend. Great interview. I appreciate it. Guys, we'll be back with another interview on the Left of Straight Show. Be sure to look for my five questions with Pano next Tuesday, because if it's Tuesday, it's time for five questions with. You've been listening to Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Have a good day, everyone. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Welcome to my Patreon page. I hope you're here to support the Left of Straight Radio Network. We have been podcasting for nine years now. We just celebrated our eight-year anniversary show on July 3rd, and we are in our ninth year. And I hope you'll help us continue to be on the air and support LGBTQ radio and our straight allies. Uh, We launched this Patreon page to help defray some of the costs for hosting and for video and for everything that we need on here. It would be my honor and privilege to get to know you all. I have three tiers on here to pledge. We don't want it to be a hardship for anybody. But if you can part with just a little bit each money money each month, it would really help support the radio show and the station. For just $3 a month, just the price of a cup of coffee, we're going to give you a huge thank you on the Left of Straight website. Plus, I'm going to send you a personalized postcard from me for thanking in the effort. For just a little bit more, for $8 a month, what I call the price of coffee and a bagel each month, I also give you the first tier of the postcard and the shout out. And you also get to listen to all the episodes before anybody else commercial free, along with an I support LGBTQ radio sticker and 10% off merchandise in our upcoming LGBT store for the Left of Straight Radio. And then the third tier you can pledge to, if you can set aside money for coffee and lunch, just $13 a month, besides everything in the first two tiers, you also have the opportunity to listen live in one of our live recordings, one of our interviews with a celebrity or personality from entertainment, foodies, books, music, or advocacy. You can ask them questions. Uh, you can get a special Left of Straight Radio tote bag and 20% off merchandise in the upcoming store. So thank you for stopping by Patreon. I hope you will donate each month. And thanks for being a great supporter of LGBTQ Radio and helping us uh, keep on the air. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Left of Straight Show. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast distributor and please give us a five-star rating so more listeners can find us. You can follow us on social media and be sure to check out our website, www.leftofstraightradio.com for contests and other news and information. See you next week.